This is an RNZ podcast. What we did yesterday is that we refocused ACT as a party for freedom, uh, a party that wants to make the tax rate low and flat at 17.5%, a party that wants to give parents control of the quarter of a million dollars that uh, the... David Seymour, I'm hey, sorry to have to interrupt you there. We're just coming we're up towards the end. Just getting news, on to policy. <laughs> we'll get there another time. Thank you very much for your time, David Seymour. That was Morning Report's Corin Dan cutting in on the ACT Party leader David Seymour on RNZ National last Monday, the day after the party's annual conference in Auckland. And there, David Seymour sounded a bit disappointed that the party's policies on tax and education didn't get discussed before the 8am news intruded. But he'd already been talking to Corin Dan for six minutes about just one of his party's other fresh policies, the one that got the media's attention this past week freedom of speech. And he can't really have been surprised that that ate up all the media oxygen around him and his party on Monday. It was the same just the day before the conference when he appeared on Three's weekend politics show, News Hub Nation. The ACT Party will unveil its grand rebrand at the party conference this weekend, complete with a suite of new policies. David Seymour, the ACT Party leader, hopes it will transform his minnow party into a major political force. David joins me now. David, kia ora, thank you for joining us. But it wasn't education funding or flat tax that David Seymour raised when given this open invitation by Tova O'Brien. What policy changes can you reveal on News Hub Nation? Well, we're going to talk a lot more about freedom of speech. That's something that at the start of the year you might not have thought would be a major issue. Uh, but you now have the government seriously talking about putting in place new rules uh, that may actually allow people to be punished on the basis of opinion. David Seymour said he was doing this because the Justice Minister earlier this year signalled a post-Christchurch review of laws governing hate speech and because of calls for curbs on freedom of speech from what David Seymour called the intolerant new left. Act has proposed a private member's bill to take out parts of the Human Rights Act and the Summary Offences Act, which he believes make people potentially subject to prosecution for saying things judged to be insulting or offensive. Now, later that day, News Hub trailed Act's aim as a law change to let racists and rapists say what they like, which wasn't quite right. But at this point, it was worth remembering that Act is a party of one in Parliament and there's next to no chance that the law will change in the way they want. David Seymour's bill is a symbolic gesture to make a political point. But that didn't stop it being the lead story on News Hub at 6 that night. Kia ora, good evening. Act leader David Seymour has reignited the hate speech versus free speech debate. The government's already reviewing the law, but Seymour says instead of toughening up the punishments, they should ditch them. Now, reigniting debate was a bit over the top, but David Seymour's idea certainly sparked journalists and editors and pundits this past week. The proposal was high up in RNZ and News Talk ZB's bulletins after he unveiled it on News Hub Nation, and the news websites all seized on it too. And all this exposure came a full 24 hours before ACT actually announced the policy officially at the party conference the next day. Now this had been billed in advance as not just another minor party get-together, but a relaunch. They even gave it a cool name, REACT. And the Sunday Star Times that morning devoted most of a page to a preview of the conference. But on News Talk ZB's weekend collective show, Tim Wilson challenged the ACT leader on the lack of new policy, like this. Kia ora, David. Hey, look, here's my take on ACT. It's a bit of a relic from the 90s. Sort of Kurt cobain grunge, plaid shirts, long hair. You promise this big relaunch and you come up with flat tax, which is an old ACT idea. It's nothing new here. What's going on? <laughs> well, I think you're being a bit overly simplistic, and I suspect the reason that you said that 
is that you yourself are a relic of the 90s who loves Kurt Cobain and played shirts and would grow your hair quite a lot longer if only nature would let you. And policy then took a back seat as the two men bickered over their 1990s cred. Uh, actually, David, um, David, can I just jump excellent. in here? I don't want to fight it out over style. Uh, in the 80s... Well, 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 one hang moment. On, <laughs> hang on, David. Let's just back the truck up. Uh, right. I, I am a, chi- I am a child who, who flourished in the 80s. My hair was longer than you were tall. And uh, I'll tell you what, uh, I, I dislike Kurt Cobain. I thought all that stuff was terrible. Very anti-grunge. Let's keep moving. Well, anyway, I don't think anyone's that interested in your upbringing. And then they ended up by talking about another innovation that the media picked up on, the addition of a pinky-purple colour to the ACT Party's library. OK, so, so no new name. There is a new colour. What's the new colour? Well, it's funny. It's actually magenta. Some people okay. call it pink. And the, the reason is that it turns out that in colour science, uh, blue, yellow and pink are, are a trio that work. And we'd had blue and yellow for 20 years. We had no idea we'd been missing a whole colour, so now we're complete. Now, colour scientists might say they're spot on, but most political scientists say the ACT Party has an uphill battle. It harvested just 0.5% of the party vote in 2017. That's just over 13,000 of the 2.6 million votes cast. And last Sunday's conference pulled a crowd of between 150 and 200 supporters. Last Tuesday, all of the stuff papers around the country carried an editorial asking this question. Is the media guilty of giving a disproportionate amount of coverage to parties that struggle to get above a few percentage points come election time? And in Act's case, even a few percentage points is pushing it on their recent performance in the polls. But Stuff's editorial dodged its own excellent question, effectively saying that the outcome of the next election would reveal the answer. And it concluded with this. If he can broaden the party vote, as well as hold on to Epsom, Seymour will have proven he's more than just a man skilled at grabbing headlines. And grabbing headlines is surely a key part of the plan. The same editorial noted that Act's promise to focus on free speech issues is likely to generate strong public debate, most of which will of course play out in the media, if this past week is anything to go by. On Monday, the AM show's host and chief editorialiser Duncan Garner seized on the issue like this. What worries me is too often we see this overzealous policing of someone else's opinion by someone who just disagrees, and they're too easily offended by this, uh, playing gotcha with the English language. They try to put a meaning on a word or phrase that simply doesn't exist, or choose one meaning and forgetting the others, of course. Suddenly, they're the judge, the jury, and executioner. So if I say a Chinese man stood in the queue to come to the country, they could cry, racist! because I mentioned his race, his origin, his country, whatever. But if they say male, pale and stale, that's what, somehow, okay? Come on. But what Duncan Garner called the policing of speech online is actually just other people voicing their opinion in reply. And there's no law or restriction on that that's yet been proposed by anyone. And strangely, back in April, when the government asked the Ministry of Justice and the Human Rights Commission to examine how our laws balance free speech and hate speech, Duncan Garner seemed not especially alarmed by what the Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern had in mind. So anyone who, in, and I think New Zealanders will support um, the government on this, really, to be honest, I mean, anyone who incites yeah. um, violence against yeah. a particular religious group yes. or, or sect, whatever, I mean, you'll, yeah. you'll look to what ban it. Is that how it works? Well, at the moment, it basically means that you're liable for, for prosecution. So we have, um, we already have, for instance, a harmful digital communication bill. So, for instance, if you disseminate um, uh, images to humiliate, um, you know, re- revenge porn, things things like that, we already have legislation for that. We've got um, uh, the Human Rights Act. We've got we've got mechanisms already. 
The Harmful Digital Communications Act, which the Prime Minister mentioned there, commonly called the Cyberbullying Law, is also something the ACT Party announced this weekend it wants to change in order to further our freedom of speech. It should only apply to people under 18, says ACT. And on the News Hub Nation show, leader David Seymour gave this as a reason why. You know, what the Harmful Digital Communication Act says, uh, you're not allowed to say things that are offensive. If you think someone said something offensive, then you can actually go and have that litigated through the courts. Now, just remember, Newsroom, uh, a, a very important establishment in New Zealand journalism, uh, has already had to face off a threat under the Harmful Digital Communication Act. I don't think that adults should be able to use it to litigate disputes with other adults. Well, there was such a threat last year, but it was never really a serious one. Businessman and fundraiser Sir Ray Avery laid a complaint with NetSafe alleging that several of Newsroom's articles about his track record were harmful to him and should be taken down. But NetSafe declined to act on it, saying it wasn't clear if complaints under the Act actually apply to the media at all. Newsroom need do nothing, they said, while Sir Ray had the option of going to the district court if he wanted to pursue the matter, and he hasn't so far. And no one else has used the law to take on the news media since it was passed in 2015, so far as we know. But on hate speech, this cuts both ways. This week's RNZ website carried a piece headlined, Muslim Kiwi says hate crime legislation must change. It was a story about Mepara Khan, a 30-year-old New Zealand-born Muslim, who hit the headlines when she was attacked and racially abused in Huntley, and her cell phone video of that went viral. Are you recording, you Get the off. Oi, I was born Oi, here. I've got the right to Oi. be Mepara Khan went on to tell RNZ's Voices programme that such abuse is not uncommon, especially for Muslim women who are visible and vulnerable in a hijab. And she went on to say this. There's, you know, online bullying legislation and there's some stuff in our um, human rights legislation, but really it's, it's, I don't think it's enough. There are massive gaps. We need to have this conversation and really figure out a baseline for what um, constitutes hate speech, what constitutes a hate crime because I don't think what we have right now is enough. However, Megan Walton, the woman who assaulted Mepara Khan in Huntley, was convicted for assault and for behaving in an insulting manner that was likely in the circumstances to cause violence against persons. In RNZ's article, Mepara Khan says of our laws, there's nothing that covers discrimination against religion. And that was at the heart of a debate about the law in the UK 13 years ago. A legal defence for criticising religions was inserted into the Racial and Religious Hatred Act of 2006, following a campaign by civil libertarians and celebrities, including comedian Rowan Atkinson. Now here, someone changes to the law to criminalise hatred and vilification of people based on their faith to follow a review of our laws on hate speech. But others will want to ensure that our freedom to criticise and even satirise organised religion and sects and cults is not undercut at the same time. And this may end up being the focus of the debate about changes to our law. And if the media focus on that, it could help. But if they seize on claims and counterclaims made as part of a culture war to engage the audience or to attract political support, it won't. Responding to ACT's freedom to speak policy, Duncan Garner told his listeners and viewers last Monday this. But I'm for fewer rules. The rest is just noise. You want to see a country without free speech? North Korea. No thanks.
But of course, we already have legal restrictions on free speech in the laws of defamation, in employment law and in the Crimes Act, with specific sanctions for inciting racial hatred. And even in the broadcasting codes, which Duncan Garner himself has fallen foul of when commenting on immigration. But we also have the countervailing force of the Bill of Rights Act, safeguarding essential freedoms of expression. It's not even close to being close to North Korea, where the state monitors and controls almost all public speech. However, 82% of the News Hub audience, responding to an AM show poll this week that was launched the same day, said, yes, they do think freedom of speech is under attack here in New Zealand. And it's not hard to see where they got that idea.